Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit SugarHillChurch.com. How many of you grew up in a weird house? How many of you grew up in a dysfunctional family? How many of you are still in one? Yeah, yeah. I know. You know what your mom's thinking right now? Don't raise your hand. I was about six or seven years old in the Green Meadow Baptist Church. Hard pews, choir robes, burgundy carpet, the whole deal, right? And I had snuck my favorite truck into car, into church. I had to truck the car, and it was time to play. There was room on the pew. If you could push the car just right, the goal was to get it to the end of the pew without hitting it. I thought that was way cool. My mom was in the choir. She did not think it was cool. Mom came out of the choir, grabbed me by my wrist, picked me up with my little feet dangling, (laughs) carried me with my feet dangling all the way out the church, me knowing death is on the other side of that door. And when I got outside, mom put her hands and squished my chubby little cheeks together. And she said, son, that's not the way we act in God's house, is it? No, ma'am. Man, I'm scared to death. I, she's going to beat the dar out of me, man, you know? And so she said, you know I love you. Yes, ma'am. You know, I'm crying because if you cry hard enough, surely you're not going to get beat, right? <laughs> well, my mom decided that I didn't get the message. She blistered my rear end in the church outside in that little vestibule. And then on the way in, she looked at me. She said, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. I thought you just did. You beat the crud out of me. Of course I'm crying. Good night. But now mom, when she said it, buddy, she meant it. Mom was the rock. Not one time in my life did I fall and get a boo-boo as a little boy and go, dad. You know why? You know what my dad would have said? Suck it up, son. Come on, let's go. On mom, on the other hand, oh, baby, come here. I'll take good care of it. Then she took that junky spray on it, absorbing junior or something, and it felt like you were going to die. And then what did mom do? All moms do this. (sighs) Because that's like the cure for everything. (sighs) Moms do one of two things. They either lick their finger and wipe it off, or they blow on it and make it okay. Right? Yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. I was a junior in high school. Trust me, the sermon's not all about me. I was a junior in high school, and we had this little award thing. And I walk off of the, I won a little something-something, and I walked off the the stage, and and my mom was there. Like, all my friends are out there. My mom hugs me, and she says, I love you. And immediately I thought, that is so uncool. I mean, that's desperately uncool. But at 54... I'd give everything I have to have five more minutes to hear my mom say, I love you. There's something special about that. Today, we want to talk about a foundation that you build your home on. And you may be here and you're a single adult and you'd say, wait a minute, building a home is when I'm married and I settle down and I've got my own place. No, no, no. If you're here and you're a single adult, you're building a home. You really are. You're living in an apartment somewhere, you're you're building a home. You're renting a house somewhere, you're building a home. 
If you're here in a couple, you don't have children yet, you're, you're building a home. If you're here today and you've got kids, you're building a home. If you're here and you're a grandparent, you're still building a home. We all build a home of some sort. And we all decide what the foundation of the home is going to look like. What the foundation is going to be built of. Back before I was in ministry life, I, I built houses for a living. And I'd go set those batter boards up and they'd dig the footers. And they'd put the rebar and pour, those, pour the concrete in those, those footings. And then we'd build that foundation. And when that foundation was right, the house was right. But when the foundation was wrong, it was problems from then on. Because see, to see the end in mind is to say, I better get the first right. I better get the first thing first. I better make the most important thing the most important thing. And you know, I really have come to believe that when you get the foundation right, everything else can get fixed. But you got to get the foundation right. And some of us today have got to reinforce our foundation. And some of us today got to build one. Because we're all building a home. We're all building relationships. We're all building something that matters. So my friend Randall Patterson built this foundation for us here. And, and this foundation is, is this picture. If you've got your Bibles, find Psalms. It's in the middle of your Bible and find the 127th Psalm. We're only going to be there for a second. But, but in the 127th Psalm, it, it's interesting what, what, the, what the Bible has to say. It re- refers to this sound foundation and making sure the journey of our life is rooted and grounded on something that matters. See, if you're like me, eventually, if not today, some crisis is going to blow through your life. Matter of fact, I, I don't know a single parent who at some point in their life doesn't have a crisis with their children. Not one. Now, I know, I know parents who try to be perfect. Matter of fact, I, I know parents of preschoolers who have decided my kid's never going to be that kid. Let me just go ahead and share this with you. Yes, they are. You know why? They're kids. I mean, you realize that the adolescent brain, the child's brain grows from the back to the front, and it stops about right there. And it doesn't fill in until they're about 30. Scientists have proven that that gap right there is where most kids live. And that gap has a very technical term. It's called stupid. And if we're not careful, we don't build a foundation and we stay in the gap and we never grow up. The psalmist writes in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds a house, unless he builds a home, the work of the builder is wasted. I don't don't know about you, but I have no desire to leave this life and have wasted my life. I'd love to know that there was a difference made on this planet and that, and that something was better because I left it. I, I would hate to show up at a funeral and, and know that I was that deceased person. And all my kids could say was, well, you know, Chuck, he, he spoke to a lot of people. He wrote a few books. He spoke at some conferences. He, he had a great church and blah, 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 blah. But I would hate for them to not be able to say, you know, my dad loved me. My, my dad loved his wife. My dad was faithful to our family. My dad was a friend of God. And to do that, you've got to build a foundation. As a matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that. The psalmist says... Unless you build on a solid foundation, you've blown it. You've got to go start it again. You've got you to draw a line. You've got to start over. Paul says, 
Listen, there's no other foundation. This cornerstone's already here. The foundation already exists. All you've got to do is build on it. Paul says, Jesus is the foundation, the solid rock, the rock of ages. You build on that, and on that, now you don't blow away. As a matter of fact, Jesus, at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, he tells the story of these two guys that build a house. He says, one builds it on sand. It was a beautiful home. It was a gorgeous home. But when the rains came, what happened to the house? It washed away. When the storms of life came, that, that one was gone. Blowing in the wind, it was gone. And the other one built his house on the solid rock, on a firm foundation. And when the storms came and the wind pelted it and the hail came down, that home stood. There might have been a few dents in the roof. There might have been a broken window or two. The tree might have fallen on, but the foundation was there. The home survived. Your life survived. We all build a home. We build it in our relationships, in our business, in our, in our schools. We build it in our homes especially. We start with this foundation, the solid rock, the firm foundation. So I want to, I've got some helpers that are going to come out. We're going to build a house today. And so guys, if you'll come on out, let's build some walls. Because once you have a foundation, now you've got to build a little structure. And you build this structure, and we're, we're going to use this illustration of walls. That we're actually going to construct a home that has these four walls. Now you may have more walls in your home, but we have four that we want to focus on today. So go ahead, guys, let's build our house. And, and so as they start building this house, I, I wanted to introduce to you these four walls. Now, now Tyler's going to nail this thing together because frankly, you got to have some glue. You got to have some nails. You got to have something that holds it all together. They just didn't stand like a stick house. Something's got to hold it all together. And you know what I've discovered that when you build on foundation, then all of a sudden what happens is you can take faith and glue and nail that wall together. And faith will hold it when the winds come. And there it will be when life gets difficult. And then you can put those walls together where they'll stay. And so we look at four walls today built on this solid foundation. And we're going to start with this first wall right here. And this first wall here is the wall of communication. Now, this wall of communication is a big deal because for the, for the most part, we don't talk to each other. I mean, in our, in our homes, what do we do? Well, just go to any restaurant you go to, this, go to this afternoon for Mother's Day. And wherever you go, what are people going to be doing? Right? You know, you know I, I would suggest that we start this way. Put your phone down. It's not an appendage. Put it down. And talk. You know what Jenny says to me often? I'll be sitting there. I'm just, just going away with my phone or my computer or my iPad or something, and she's got something to say to me. And you know what she'll say? Hey, full face attention right here. You know what that means? I might ought to hush. And look, you know what I've discovered? You look and listen at what matters most to you. You look and you listen to what matters most to you. You, you want to have a home built on a foundation that's solid? Then you've got to build some communication. As a matter of fact, inside of that communication, oftentimes what happens is we focus so much on trying to prove that we're right, we stop trying to make things right. Or we, or, or we try to make sure somebody understands what we think rather than listen to what they have to say. I've I got, I got to be honest with you. We live in a blended family. And... Um, when you blend families, it, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, you, everybody brings their own baggage to the party. You know, you got a different life, and you come together, and you put it together. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's tough. And it's, it's, there's got to be an easier way, right? 
we didn't find it. We, we found every hard way you could find. But you know, one of the things that Jenny taught me over the years was go ahead and communicate. Talk. I actually talk to her. You know what she's forced me to do? I bet you every guy in this room has had this experience. When you got home, your wife asked you the most dreaded question of all. Tell me about your day, honey. You know what my answer is? Yeah, right. Now, for me, that's detailed. You know what Jen wants to know? Where'd you go? What'd you eat? Who'd you, who'd you laugh with? What good happened to you? And she has that, you know, she has forced that onto me that now I like it. We actually talk. Go figure. We, we actually talk. How fun is that? Listen, you could sell tickets to dinner when all of us are together. I mean, truly, if you've met Samantha, you can sell tickets to dinner. All right, you put her, you, literally, you put her and Sarah together, it's I mean, it's like monkeys in a circus. It's crazy how it all happens. But we communicate. You know what I would encourage you to do? Talk with one another. Force it. Determine you're going to communicate with one another. By the way, and when you do, at times we think we're not communicating when we are communicating because silence and disengagement screams, I don't care. Engage. And you know, I think about that, and I also think negative communication comes across the same way. Uh, I, I had my dad, many of you knew my dad before he passed away. My dad could find something wrong with almost anything. I mean, truly, I know y'all loved him. He was Brother Ken. Brother Ken married me. Brother Ken baptized me. Good way to go, Dad. You know, love my dad. But you know what? My dad could find something wrong with anything. And if, if, I, if I pitched a no-hitter, in Little League. You know what my dad would say when I came off the field? Well, you know, you probably should have thrown more strikes. Thanks, Dad. It's awesome. But you know what I've realized is, what what if our communication just said, I'm going to be nice? What if I just said, I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to be nice. What if our communication sound like that? By the way, parents, it's just okay to say to to your child when you you ask something of them, and the answer you get is, yeah. It's okay to say, no, yes, ma'am's appropriate. No, yes, sir, is appropriate. And by the way, when you address them, if you want that kind of respect, you dress them with respect. You see, I believe when a family decides to actually be nice, their communication level raises greatly. We just have to choose to be nice. Now, guys, this is harder for us. We didn't naturally get the nice gene. Sometimes it's workforce. You know what I would encourage you is if you're a man and when you get home, you're just maxed out, stressed out, stop listening to sports talk radio or Fox News or whatever you're listening to where everybody's screaming and shouting. Find whatever your favorite music is, crank it up and sing your guts out for the last 15 minutes of your commute. And then when you get home, just walk in and be done, right? But don't, don't bring all that. And when you get home, stop watching Fox News or CNN or whatever, you, whatever else you're watching that's got, that tells you all the time the sky's falling in and the earth is coming to a close. You're still breathing air. Communicate. Talk to one another. We've got a wall of communication. But right next to the wall of communication is a wall of trust. Now, this is a big deal. This wall of trust is, is the fuel that makes our relationships and makes our family work well. This, this wall of trust. No family can survive without trust. Now, th- this is interesting, though. Trust is up for sale every minute of every day. 
Trust is up for grabs every moment of every day. And it is a very fragile thing in the life of our family and our home. If you've, been, if you've ever been deceived, if you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been broken, you know what happens? Trust is something you hold so dear. And by the way, that's most of us. But trust, I've learned, comes with one of those unique and challenging processes. Trust comes both ways. And if you really want to know how trust is built, let me give you two thoughts on these other walls. Number one, I want you to look at this other wall because this other wall here is the wall of fun. Well, what if you just decided instead of getting home, eating dinner, flipping on the television, and watching the news, and doing your own thing, what if you actually did something fun? Now, let me just stop and confess here. If it were up to me, I'd go home, I'd get in my favorite chair, I'd grab my clicker, and I'd be good to go. But you know what Jenny says? Let's play a game. You're kidding, right? Uh, and so we go play a game. And you know what? I have a lot of fun. But can I say, she's the worst winner ever. She actually stands up and done a, does a winner's dance when she beats me at something. And by the way, it's not really pretty, you know? It's kind of like wobble with it, wobble with it kind of thing, you know? I just gave you an image, didn't I? Welcome to my house. But I will tell you this, we live in a fun house, and where fun exists, trust can follow it. You see, what, what, if, what if you just decided that together you're going to plan to do something fun? I know what some of you guys are saying, well, I'll tell you what's fun for me. Fun for me is watching a little TV and watching some reruns of Bonanza. Come on, goofball, do something. Right? Go choose to do something fun. Go have fun with your kids. Go play with your kids. Jenny gets me down there. We start painting furniture. For, I, listen, I would rather you shoot me than go paint furniture. If you do, just don't miss. One time, right here. Be done. But about 10 minutes into it, we are laughing and having fun and having a good time, and we're just out doing something. Listen, you know what's happened? When I communicate, trust becomes easier. When I communicate in fun, trust becomes very easy. Because we trust people we can laugh with, not laugh at. Isn't that interesting? And see, I look at that and I think to myself, golly, this, is, this can't be that hard, can it? It just can't be that hard. Listen, the, the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 17, a cheerful heart is good medicine. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Even the Bible says, go have fun. Listen, I know some of y'all grew up in, in your orthodoxy and however you grew up, you heard things like, if you love God, don't have fun. And whatever you do when you come to church, don't have fun. That guy lied to you. The Bible says that cheer, this is good. When you, when you ought to have fun here, you ought to laugh here. And when you go home on the solid rock, on that foundation, in your communication and your trust, you ought to have fun. It's good for your soul. It's good for your heart. Do something fun. You say, well, I don't know how to do something fun. Go follow Greg and Tony Finley's Facebook. They're doing junk all the time. That's weird. Do that. Follow Jenny's Facebook. She takes a picture of everything. We went yesterday to a store. I'm, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. Uh, 
I've never married a couple. Jenny rode with me and we went down to Palmetto, Georgia. If you don't know where that is, it's three quarters of a mile past nowhere. And um, we did a wedding at Serenby Farms and I officiated the wedding last night. And, you know, I looked in that little couple's face and I'd done premarital counsel with them and they're just a cute little couple. And I, I said, do you and don't you? And they did all the right do's. And when it was all said and done, you know what I thought to myself, I thought about this sermon. There's never one time I've married anybody who looked at each other and said, I'm marrying you, but I hate your guts. They looked at each other and said, I love you. I've been married seven years and I'm more in love today than I was the day we started. You know why? Because she makes me communicate. We've decided we're going to trust and our home's going to be built on fun. But that back wall back there, that's the one that really helps us. It's the wall of flexibility. By the way, I believe the wall of flexibility is built out of grace and mercy. Grace and mercy that says, you know what, I know you're not perfect and I'm not going to try to make you like me. I'm going to celebrate the fact that you are God's gift to me. You know, I've realized that flexibility, I really do believe that if Jesus were to add another beatitude, here's what he'd say, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be bent out of shape. I mean, surely goodness and trouble will follow me all the days of my life. Aren't we all in some kind of crisis sooner or later? I love it when young parents come up to me. I mean, our girls are kind of grown now. You know, we've got four 20-somethings and two in high school. And a parent of preschool or or elementary school child will come up to me and say, Oh, Chuck, tell me it gets better. (laughs) No. No. They're a bigger pain in the neck now than they've ever been. And we love them. We love them. We miss them when they're not there. Flexibility. I mean, you you know what flexibility is really proven in? It's proven in two things. It's proven in our character, and it's proven in how much we care. You see, I I believe when when you've built on the solid rock of Jesus... When, when your communication is open and free, when trust is there because you prove day in and day out you can trust me and that trust is built on the love founded in Christ. When I did that wedding last night, I finished and I looked and I said, and Mike and Ashley, are you committing that this relationship is built on the cornerstone of Jesus, your Savior? And they said, yes. They built that foundation. Listen, some of you today can build on that foundation, but character, my friend, when you're building your home, character is being the same person when you've got your hands in the air singing here and when you are Tuesday night and your kid has just done something stupid. Character is when you talk the same way in the hallway of this church as you do with the boys at the golf club. Character is when, mom, your kid goes ballistic in the candy store at the mall, but you don't act any different there than you would here. Because, you see, you know the person who knows whether I'm a person of character or not more than anybody? is that lady right there. Because she's seen me at my worst and still loves me. But see, the second part of that is character and care. Because see, when when the junk hits our life, you know what we need? We want somebody that we love to stop and be there for us. It is rare. Matter of fact, it it almost never happens. 
on the same day, Jenny and I have a good day. Does that happen in your house? Like when, we, when Jenny and I both have a good day, and we come home, it's like, this was great. What a great day, you know? I mean, that's what Ron and Barbara do every day, right? <laughs> that's not the case in our house, you know I mean? But, but when she's had a bad day, you know what she needs me to be? She doesn't need me to fix whatever the junk is. She needs me to care that it's been a bad day. She, if I love her, if I trust her, if I want to have fun with her, I've got to be flexible enough that I've got to stop whatever I'm doing and care enough. As a matter of fact, Scripture says in Philippians 2, 4, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. It's flexible. It's coming together. Communication, trust, fun, and flexibility. You see, here's what I know. Unless you display consistent godly character and stop whatever you're in the middle of to help your home with what they have, with what they need, and you care. I'll promise you, trust, communication, fun, and flexibility doesn't happen. Character and care. By the way, you know, th- there's a few things that we have to do, but if you've built those walls, we've got to put a covering on it. Guys, come on out. Let's put, let's put a roof on this thing. Because, you see, with every home... I can have a solid foundation, and I can build some structure around my home, but I better put a covering on it. I've got to, I've got to have a cover over this thing. Otherwise, the elements are going to pour down and rain down on me. And so I need to put a cover on this home. I put a roof on this home. And by the way, Scripture gives us a great picture of what this sounds like. In 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 8, it says this, most important of all. Now, that's a very cool statement. Peter says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. What does Paul say in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13? At the end, what is it that wins? Love. What is it that doesn't fail? Love. I have made some colossal mistakes as a husband and as a dad, I mean, I, I have had epic failures. You know how you survive those? In character and in care and in flexibility and in fun and in trust and in communication. Built on the solid rock of Christ, love pours on me and says, I, you're, you're just human, aren't you? Paul said, love never fails. I, I found this to be, be interesting. It, you may not have enough patience. You may not have enough understanding. You may not have enough resources. You may not have enough strength. You may not have enough wisdom. You, you, you may not have the, the right kind of house or drive the right kind of car. You may not have the job that you wish you had. But at the end of the day, you can keep on loving when our world fell apart, you know the one person who stood beside me and never gave up? It was Jenny. My best friend. She didn't quit on me. The whole world could have, but she didn't. Love covered a multitude of sins. But I've learned that my prayer life is predicated on love. You see, if I love Jesus, I talk to him. If I love my wife, I talk to her. If I love my kids, I talk to her. 
So let me kind of land this plane and give you a handful of things that might be real practical on what you take away from this. So if you've got pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, you may want to jot these down. Number one, reinforce your foundation. Go ahead. Today, just choose to reinforce your foundation. Choose that starting right now, Jesus is going to be my source of hope, my love, my guidance for me and my family. Make him a part of your everyday lives in your home. If you don't pray together, pray. And, and don't, don't do those fake prayers, you know, like you see on Blue Bloods on Friday night. Bless, O oh Lord, the bounty of our family. I'm done. Actually talk to God and just talk openly. I thought it was so cool. On the National Day of Prayer, I sent out this video to the church family. I said, pray for these things. So the next morning, Jenny and I, she's gone to work. I'm on the way here. We stopped and got a little bite of breakfast. We're sitting in the middle of the restaurant. And she says, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to pray like you told everybody else. Oh, yeah, cool. So we stop and we're, we're praying out loud in this restaurant. It was one of the coolest times together, just stop and pray. So reinforce your foundation. Two, start talking to each other. Put your phone down. Put the computer away, set the iPad away, whatever it is that holds your attention, and direct your attention to your family. Direct your attention to the person that you love. Communicate. And have fun with it. Learn to laugh with each other. Jenny laughs at me all the time. Number three, choose character and choose caring. If you haven't been the dad or you haven't been the mom that was consistently living a life of character, communicate that, confess that, and say, from now on, I'm moving forward. By the way, guys, back in the day when Promise Keeper said, you got to have a group of men to be accountable to, that's the biggest bunch of junk. Listen, if you, if you need another man to be accountable to that you can't be accountable to your wife, you're doing something you ought not do. And by the way, you put three men together, they're going to lie to each other. So... Your first and foremost accountability partner ought to be your spouse. Ladies, the same is true. Just begin character and, and then caring. Whatever keeps you from being able to spend time to meet their needs, do that. Fourth, stop and have fun. Plan what you're going to do to have fun. Jenny keeps games sitting on our table. And, and by the way, when we went on our cruise a few weeks ago, we played, what is that game called, Jen? Gin. That's right. It's called gin. It's gin, right? A card game? Yeah. I grew up in a house where my dad was pretty sure you're going to hell if you played cards. I could listen to Leonard Skinner, but I couldn't play cards. I never figured that one out. <laughs> but so we, we played gin the whole week. And we decided that we would play all the way through the week when we got back. Jenny was so far ahead. She, I mean, literally, she's like wobble with it, wobble with it the whole week, right? I mean, people on the boat were like, whoa, you know. And, but we got home, I went on a stretch, I went on a tear, and yes, your pastor won. <laughs> I tore it up. <laughs> Choose to have fun. Go do something. Laugh. Finally, and this is a hard one, you ready? This is your homework assignment. Go define how you receive love. Well, they ought to know. Okay, ladies, look right here. If you believe your husband knows how you receive love, you're wrong. If you say, well, they ought to know it, we don't. We're stupid. We need somebody to tell us that. 
when we first got married, you know what I thought? I thought, Jenny just wants to spend time with me. One day she said, you know, when we were dating, you remember when you used to buy me things? That was so sweet. You know, that, that was Jenny speak for, listen, Clodhopper, why don't you do sweet things for me anymore? So I started on payday, you know, stopping by Trader Joe's, buying cut flowers. I think buying flowers is the most colossal waste of money on the planet. Why would you buy something you know is going to die in a few days, right? But let me just say this to you. When I buy Friday flowers, who's the man? (laughs) You know why? Because when she sees them, you know what she says? Oh, I love my flowers. She takes a Facebook picture and she puts out there and all you ladies who are friends with her go, Oh, who's the man now? So what if I set aside my thoughts and say this matters, right? I mean, what if, what if you were to say, here's how I receive love from you? If I, if I do any marital counseling or premarital counseling with you, inevitably you're going to have to answer that question. Like, how do you receive love? How do you know it when somebody says, I love you? For some of you, it's when you treat me with respect. Some of it is when you build me up. Some of it is when you, when you help me. Some of it's when you buy me stuff. And, and, you know, the problem is we have a hard time talking about it as if it's bad. You know what I would say? The, the more I know, the better I can love. And the more I communicate, the easier it is to trust. And the more I trust, the more fun our home is. And the more fun it is, the easier it is to be flexible. And when I put those walls on the foundation of the Lord Jesus and I cover it in love, all of a sudden I've got a winner. Listen, people like me run around the country talking about the destruction of the American home and the American family. And we've made silly statements like the biggest problem the American family is divorce. No, it's not. Divorce isn't the biggest problem in the American family. The biggest problem in the American home is discouragement. I don't know about you, but listen, I've got plenty of people that this week will send me a note of something I've done wrong. Don't you? Aren't there plenty of people in your world that can tell you what's wrong with your world? I want to go home where it's it's love and the foundation is built on Christ and the communication is fun and it's flexible and it's trusting and it's a safe haven. And guess who gets to decide whether it's that way or not? We do. You pick. You're empowered to build on this foundation. You say, well, Chuck, my foundation has crumbled. Build it again. My foundation has a crack in it. Fill it with love. My walls are crumbling. Start communicating. Start having fun. Disconnect from technology. Get engaged with your kids. Live a life of caring. Live a life of character. Draw a line in the sand and say, I can do this in the power of Christ. He's my rock. He's my foundation. You say, well, Chuck, I don't know if I can do it. Yes, you can. You really can. You know how I know that? Jesus said that you can do all things through him. He's who strengthens you. Listen, my friend, whatever's going on in your life, whatever storm is blowing, get back to the foundation. Build those walls of structure and put a cover of love on it. Then let God do a work in your life.